playing here again this morning. You'll be here tonight for sure. Yeah, you better be. I love it. Like, honestly, we have live music at our productions. We don't have backing tracks here. I hope we don't. No, we don't. That's good. We got talent. We got talent, So, which is awesome. Well, December, Christmas, the celebration of the birth of Jesus. Who's been here all the December? December, the first week, uh, we talk about the wise men. And uh, those wise men, wise men win souls. Uh, we spoke about wise men worship God. The second week, uh, I spoke uh, a little, little bit about Joseph and Mary. You know, Joseph and Mary, an integral part of this thing called the birth of Christ. Who knows that? Without Mary, it probably wouldn't have happened. And so I spoke about that. I spoke about Mary's response was a willing heart, that we should have a willing heart. Joseph's response was that of graciousness. Because who knows when uh, the woman you're about to marry comes and tells you that she's pregnant, you listen. And especially when she says, hey, listen, I'm pregnant and it's not yours. You go, but then on top of that, she turns around and says, you know, it's not yours, but it's God's. You know, sometimes you double check yourself and you think, okay. But he had a gracious heart. He pulled away. He had this graciousness about that he wasn't going to publicly expose her. He was a just man. He thought about it. An angel of the Lord appeared to him and spoke, confirmed. And he had a gracious, you know, we find in that story is that there was an obedience. In obedience, it brings blessing. Grace is not earned, it is offered. Grace is never just enough. Grace is always far more than enough. Who knows that? And so this morning I thought, well, you know, there's got to be some other characters. I love reading through the Bible and looking at characters within the life of the, of the stories in the Bible. And who knows that there is one guy that doesn't quite get a mention. There's one guy within the life, within the birth scene that doesn't quite get a mention. There's this one kid, one day he, he come home from uh, Sunday school and they've been practicing doing the play. You know, the play that the kids do, Joseph, Mary, the sheep, the donkey, the wise men, they're all there and and this kid, he jumps in the car, he's all excited, mum turns up, and she's like, hey, how did it go? And he goes, it was awesome, I get to play the hero. And her mum goes, well, okay, you're playing the hero in the nativity scene, okay, so, so who's, the, who's, who's the hero? Are, are you Joseph? No, mum, I'm not Joseph. She looks a bit puzzled. Okay, so, so you're the hero. Are you the lead Wise man. Are you one of the wise men? No, no, mum. They're, they're not the hero. No, not at all. And she's like intrigued. She's like, well, then are you the lead shepherd like last year? He's like, no, he's not a hero. Not at all. And she's puzzled. She's like, and he looks at her and she's like, he's like, you have no idea, mum. You have no idea who the hero Surely you can't be baby Jesus, she goes to him. <laughs> Mom, you know how kids go. My kids go, Mom, oh, and they roll their eyes. I reckon he was in the back seat. Oh. Mom, no. Well, then, who are you? I'm the hero. 
I'm the innkeeper. Mum's like, well, you think about it, Mum. Without the innkeeper, there would have never been a place for Jesus to be born. Let's face it. He's right. He's right in some way. Because you've got this guy, you, you read the story and it just skips over the innkeeper. They rock up. There is no place to stay. And they knock on the door and there's the innkeeper. Like, really, in the nativity scene, do you see the innkeeper standing there? He, he provides the place for them to stay. He's not even mentioned in any carols. Do we ever sing any carols? We sing, Oh, Holy Night. We see wise men. We sing all these things. We never, is there one innkeeper carol? Jared, you need to write a carol. The blessed innkeeper, the hero. Those words, somehow. But you've got this Inca and, and the kids here, he's like, you know, he never actually gets a mention, but he made room for the greatest miracle of all to take place under his house. Do you realise that? He makes way, he makes room. He makes room for God to come to earth. You know, it, it's like he's the extra at a movie set. Do you realise that? It's like the extra, you know, you see them in the background. They might open the door for the superstar, but they never get a mention. They're always there. The guy always rocks up for his coffee every morning. It's the same guy serving, but he never gets a mention. Without that guy behind the coffee machine, your day goes downhill very fast, doesn't it? It's like the innkeeper. And so we've got this scene, the scene. Is it, you imagine the scene. You know, you've got Bethlehem, it's crowded, everyone's coming. They're all coming for the census. They're all coming to report their family. They're coming to sign up. And, and this was, you know, months in advance. So Joseph could have booked a room. But like every good guy, we wait for the last minute bargains. And it doesn't quite happen. But he, he rocks up. He's there. There's no room. And all of a sudden, the innkeeper is there. And standing in front of him, there's a knock on the door. And standing in front of him, as this nine-month pregnant woman with her husband, Joseph, who's exhausted. They've just travelled 100 k's, 100 miles. They've just travelled on donkey over rough terrain and they're exhausted and they're, they're knocking. He opens the door. You know, he's got a bit of a dilemma here. What, what does he do? You know, because you've got to realise this guy would have known, he... he he, he was an Israelite. He was a Jew. He, he knew the traditions. He knew what he was supposed to do. He opens the door. You know, he has read the story of Abraham and Sarah, where all of a sudden weary travelers pass by. There are three guys that pass by. Abraham, you know, cracks open everything, cracks open the champagne, whatever, puts it all a big spread on, and he hosts these three strangers. It turns out the three strangers have turned up to tell Sarah, hey, listen, you're going to have a baby. She's like 90 years old. She's laughing in the background. But all of a sudden, they reveal themselves and they are three angels. So here's a Jewish man. He knows the tradition. And all of a sudden, he has two strangers rock up at his door. He's in a dilemma. He knows that, am I supposed to push these strangers away or invite them in? Are they angels? Are they from God? These things are going through his head. And he invites them in. 
The innkeeper also knows about Moses' rebuke to the Israelites. Moses rebukes the Israelites, reminding that the people of Israel, you know, were once called strangers themselves and now are called to love strangers. Is it as Israel, because Egypt took us as we were strangers, we should take others as strangers? And it is in the Torah that this is what should take place. If you're Jewish, if you're an Israelite, this is what should take place. When a stranger comes to your door, you're supposed to greet the stranger, host the stranger, look after the stranger. Sounds like what we're supposed to do today as Christians. But he's got a dilemma. He knows about the tradition of the empty chair. Who has the empty chair tradition in their house? The empty chair tradition is that at Christmas you leave a chair that is empty. At Easter you leave a chair, and for, it, for us we leave a chair that is empty for the, guest, for the guest or for the stranger that might walk past. Making room. The empty chair tradition. To welcome the one who comes as a stranger. And now that there are strangers at his door. What to do? What to do? What does he do? I don't know about you, but if anyone ever rocks up at my door, I always have to consult my wife. She's like the Holy Spirit of the place. (laughs) Anyone married knows you never invite anyone over without first Dan's working on it. I reckon the stranger would have rocked up and all of a sudden he would have closed the door a little bit. Hey. Hey. She's like, what? There's strangers at the door. So? We're full. Like, we've got your whole family over as well. Like, you're in the bathtub because your parents are in our bed. Like, we're full. We've got no more room. But, but all these things are going through his head. He, he consults the wife. He's thinking, well, there's got to be some room. There's got to be something. <laughs> and, and like, they're whispering back and forth. You know, I don't think it was a whisper. If you're married, it's not a whisper. <laughs> it's not yelling, but it's just, no, they can't. No, yes, they can. No, where are they going to stay? Have you thought about this? No, I haven't. I don't think about these things. It just happens. <laughs> That's what I've got you to think about. But all of a sudden, they're there, they're, and all of a sudden, he, he comes up with this idea. He suddenly thinks, you know, actually, we can't turn away, but I can make some room. I, I've got some room. I, I've got a stable out the back, a manger. You know, it's probably cold. It's, you know, there's no other... And so he offers them a manger. He offers them a place, a place to lay their head. If you listen, if you read, if you hear the, a place that is safe from the wind, that is a bit smelly, but it's still a place. And so it's a place where they, he offers it to them. It's a solution. As all of a sudden he's answered the door And there's a solution. I'm coming up with a solution. I'm not going to push these strangers away, but I'm going to do good. And he invites them 
to stay. With a smile, he's like, I don't have much, but I have a possibility. I have a stable. I have a possibility. And this is what I love about God. Sometimes all he needs is, is not much from us, but a possibility. Sometimes our lives are so full and there's so much consumed about our life, but God is just asking, well, just how about just make room? How about just step back and, and make sure, just maybe give me a, a little bit for now and let's see what takes place. This guy, he gives him a stable and the saviour of the world is born. He hosts the saviour of the world in not much. Sometimes we need to think that our whole life has to be complete before we can come to God. No, it doesn't work that way. You'll never get there. Why? Because we can't make our life complete. Only He can. Do you realise that? We can't make our life, we can't make ourselves perfect. He makes us perfect. Christ makes us perfect. Christ gives us and we live in His fullness. We live in His perfection, not our perfection. So we can't wait till we get perfect. He just asks, what have we got? Will you just give me? A humble innkeeper. He had every right to turn them away. But one act of kindness made room for a miracle. One act of kindness made room for a miracle to happen under his watch. One act. One act. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone especially to those in the family of the faith. We should do good. We should do good. And my first point is this, is goodness is kindness in action. You know, he, he did good with what he had. He used what he had. For each and every one of us, at every opportunity, we should do good. This was an opportunity that knocked at his door. How many opportunities knock at your door that you turn away? How many God appointments knock at your door and you close the door? How many opportunities come by and, and it's like, you know, I, I just know I can't, I can't fit any more in. That's it. But all of a sudden you open it up. You know, most of us naturally tend to be concerned about our responsibilities, our problems, our plans. He was concerned about running a business. He was concerned about the ones that were under his roof. But the person who has grown in grace or in the grace of kindness has expanded their thinking outside of themselves and their interest. Uh, this is what I love about God. The more you give of yourself to God, the more you'll give yourself to others. The more you give yourself to God, the more you'll give yourself to others. That's what, that's what I find. You know, really, those ones that have expanded in kindness, that, you know, that goodness is, is the kindness in actions, those that have actions, put actions to their words, is, is that they're always happy or they've developed this interest in the happiness and well-being 
of those around them. You know, in the Bible, the word good refers to what is upright, what is honourable, what is noble. But it also is used to describe the actions that are beneficial to others. Also, there's, I don't think you can really separate the two. If you're going to be noble, there's got to have noble deeds that come with it. There's got to have actions. If you look at Jesus' life, I said he was always like that. He always went around doing good, doing good and healing all those that were oppressed. Christ himself went around doing good. How much more are we called to go around doing good? And when I say doing good, doing good isn't necessarily just always handing out food hampers. Doing good is actually preaching the gospel as well. Doing good is actually sharing your faith. Doing good is actually praying for those around you. Praying for those that are hurting, those that are sick. You know, some, some people are like, well, I, I don't really see the miracles of the old. Well, my question to you, have you actually prayed for someone lately? No. Well, you're not going to see a miracle if you're not praying for them. Well, we don't see the salvations. We don't see, well, have you shared Jesus lately? No. Do good. Goodness is kindness in action. Goodness is kindness in action. And this guy, he'd come and he was like, this is an opportunity right now for me to show my faith. I don't have anything but the little that I do have I offer. You know, the little that you do have, what miracle can it bring? Making room for these opportunities, what miracle can it bring to someone else's life? Goodness involves deliberate deeds. You have to be deliberate. We have to be deliberate in all that we do. We need to be deliberate in sharing our faith. We need to be deliberate in standing for the things of God. We can't waver in those things. That's what sets us apart from the world. You know, we're not against, you know, we're not against things, we're just for God. That's the thing, we should never be really against things, we should just be for God. Look at it in a different way. Is that if I'm standing for God, I'm standing for His righteousness, I'm standing for His things. That's what separates us from the world. We are called to be deliberate in our actions. You know, it is purposeful. I, I read a story lately of Steve Murrell. And Steve Murrell, he runs a, a, a church, uh, about 75,000 people in it, uh, Victory Church. And just reading through one of his books, he has this story where he rocks up to a meeting one day. And as he rocks up to this meeting, he, he finds out that, well, he's early, he's half an hour early. And he decides, well, you know, I'm half an hour early. I don't want to sit around the office. So he decides, well, I'll go to Starbucks for a coffee because that's what every good Christian does. Don't worry about tea, just go for coffee. And so, so he decides, he goes down and, and, he, and he comes and he heads up and he sees the Starbucks there and he, he walks over, but he notices the lights are down low. And he gets a bit closer and he notices that the sign says, Closed. Who's ever been to a place like that? Isn't that sad? It is so sad when you rock up to a place and you're expecting, you come with expectance in your heart. But, but he is there and he comes in and, 
and he knows it, but the door is open and he pushes the door and he asks the question. Who, who asked this question? <laughs> are you open? <laughs> you know, all the signs are there, but you've just got to ask the question, don't you? Just because maybe, maybe, maybe. You know, it's obviously closed. But she responds to him and says, hey, sorry, sir, we don't open to 9 a.m., but come in anyway. What can I get you? Doing good is deliberate. But what can I get you? Five minutes later, he's taking his coffee back to his meeting. You know, the Brewster could have ignored him, kept to the rules. Who's like that? Who's a rule sucker here? A few hands didn't go up then. You know, she could have told him to read the sign, wait till 9am. But instead, she bent the rules in order to serve the customer. You know, real influence, whether in a coffee shop, a home, a boardroom, or a church, is actually about serving. It's about being deliberate. It's about doing good. Doing good, making room. You know, if you have a heart to serve, we will find a way to serve and get the job done and get the job done. Like, I reckon we would never have heard about that story if she'd just shut the door and said, don't bother. We'd never know about it. We'd never hear her. We'd never know about her story. But she went the extra mile. The other day as a church, you realize we go through a lot of toilet paper here. See, a lot of you have probably walked into this place and never thought about toilet paper in your life coming to church. But it's an... It's important. It's an essential. You know, at home, I've got four kids, and, and they don't tell you when you run out. But you know. Anyone ever had that awkward moment? And then you find out there is actually none in the house. Well, I'll tell you what. We were heading up to a Sunday. I was away on holidays. Then Talia was away. And, and I got back, and, and I asked her a few weeks ago, can you order some toilet paper? Because that's what we do. We order in advance a few weeks. And, uh, you know, when you say something, you just assume it happens. <laughs> so Sunday was coming, and, and who knows, when Sunday comes, it's a vital part, because I don't want any of you stuck downstairs for the whole day. <laughs> because likely your wife is not going to hear you, your kids won't care about you, and everyone else will be laughing at you. <laughs> but we come to this moment, and I just dawned on me, I've been away and I'll, hey, Talia, did the orders come in? And she was like, well, I'll check. And it was like Friday afternoon and it hadn't come in at that time. And so as a, as a pastor, at four o'clock, no, actually it was three o'clock, on a Friday afternoon, I'm like, this is, this is important. This is very important. Because they're just not Aldi toilet paper that you can just put on a thing. You've got to order these industrial ones. And so I'm like, this is bad. 
Talia rings them. They're like, we promise, we promise, we promise, we promise, we promise, we promise. At three o'clock, I'm like, okay, I better ring around. We better solve this situation. So I rang a few businesses. I even went down to a couple of businesses and they had the wrong ones. They told me they had the right ones and I'm just like, we're doomed. <laughs> so I rang a business just around the corner. Hello? Hey, how you going? I was just wondering, do you have jumbo industrial size toilet paper? Yes, we do, sir. That is awesome. Can I order some right now? Yes, you can. Great. Can I come and pick them up right now? No, you can come and pick them up on Monday. <laughs> I'm like, you've answered the phone. It's three. What time do you shut? We shut at four o'clock. So I can come around. No, you can't because we don't accept anyone after three o'clock. We just answer phone calls. Right then, I thought to myself, you don't own the business. Because you think about it, if you're someone's answer right at their point of need, that could be a year's supply. I just thought to myself, but then it made me realize if you don't have a heart willing to serve, you won't serve. You won't go the extra mile. You know, God calls us to be deliberate with our kindness, with our deeds. Goodness is an action. Goodness makes room. It produces favour. James 3, verse 13, it says, Who among you is wise and intelligent? Let him by his good conduct show his good deeds with the gentleness and humility of true wisdom. Of true wisdom of true wisdom. Kindness is a sincere desire for happiness of others. Goodness is the activity calculated to advance happiness. And who knows, on Sunday, everyone was happy. <laughs> everyone was happy. And no one knew the difference. No one knew the difference. Do you have a heart to serve? Do you have a heart to engage, to go the extra mile. Jesus himself served. In Mark 10, 45, in the same way, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. God calls us to serve, calls us to do good, calls us to come and engage our world lay our life down and serve those around us so that others will come to know Christ. And my last point today is goodness is God's minimum. That's his minimum. It's a, I love is that when you do good, it opens doors to share him. You know, it, when you do good, like when we do food hampers, when we do red frogs, when everything we do actually opens doors for an opportunity to share who Christ is. I, I love that because it gives us the opportunity. And a lot of people go, what? A church did what? You did what? We thought only a church took your money. No, that's Maccas. Like we, we give. 
it goes back into the lives spiritually and naturally to help those, to share Christ's love. And that's what we do at Christmas time. If, if goodness is God's minimum, then we need to be solution-orientated. Do you realize that? We need to be solution-orientated. We need to have wisdom from heaven at every moment, at every opportunity to say, God, right now, at this moment, I know that there is a knocking at the door. What do you want me to do? God, let your Spirit lead me in what I should do. You know, the innkeeper could have done nothing, but no was never the option for him. He had every right to just say, you know what, I'm full, we're closed, go away. But to him, no, it it wasn't an option. It was like, okay, how do I make room? I've got strangers at my door. I know this could be God. I, I feel something right now. So how can I make this happen? How can I look after these ones? James 1. 27, it says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You know, we are called to do good, to bring hope of Jesus to humanity. That's what we're called to do. We are called to look after those that are around us. We are called to be the light, to be the hope to those that are hurting, to those that are poor, but also poor in spirit that don't know Christ. We are called to do that. Each and every one of us is called to be a light, to be the hope, to share Christ. And especially at this time, this moment, this season, is the greatest opportunity that we'll ever have. Why? Because the whole world celebrates right now, Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ. And if the church stays silent about that, we'll stay silent about everything. You know, as Christians, we should be playing every carol. As Christians, we should have our nativity scenes up and about, lights shining. I was reading a report the other day that the fun police are out now. They want to close down the lights. Yes. Just like they want to close down Australia Day. They want to close down the lights. And I'm like, okay, you know what? No. This is the first year we've had lights because apparently I'm the Grinch. (laughs) But we've got the nativity scene. We've got a manger, we've got Joseph, we've got Mary. We've started. But for some of us, we need to stir our spirit again. Celebrate the birth of Christ, the hope for all humanity. We need to share it and do good. We need to share it and say, hey, listen, this is the reason why we live. This is the only hope that can fill your heart. This is the only miracle that you need. We need to make room in our life to be able to share Christ. We need to make room in our life for someone else to receive a miracle. The innkeeper had the knock. He invited them in, gave them a place, but it was not a miracle just for him. It was a miracle for all humanity. 
today, will you make room in your life for the greatest miracle of all? And then in turn, make room to share the greatest miracle of all to all humanity. To all humanity today. Today, will you make room? I love if you just bow your heads, just close your eyes right now. I don't know everyone in this room. But I've just shared shortly about an innkeeper who made room for the Saviour of the world to be born in his stable. And today, I want to ask you, if you're not walking with Christ, if you don't have a relationship with God, I want to ask you today, will you make room for Jesus in your life today? Will you make room for Him today? Will you accept Him into your life today? Will you follow Him today? Will you say right now, God, I I want to give you my life. Right now, your life might have been working out the way you thought it should. Or right now, there are struggles within your life and you've tried to fill them with different things of the world and you've always got that that emptiness, that space. Well, friend, today, I want to tell you that space is for Him. That space is for Him. And as soon as you open up, because He's knocking on the door today. As soon as you open up and you let Him in, He fills that space, that desire. Today, will you accept? Will you open up? Will you make room for Jesus? For Jesus. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you want to be included in this prayer, I'd love just just to raise your hand so I know I'm praying with. Just as I look across. Thank you, mate. For some of you, you've, you know God, you believe in God, but He's not quite, you're not living for Him. He's not the Saviour. You're not, your decisions aren't made. And tonight He's saying, hey, today He's saying, hey, Will you make room? Will you make room? For those this morning that you need to make more room for God. Will you join this young man? Father God, you see every heart, you see every hand. Lord God, today, Father, I pray that we make room for you. And Lord God, today, the ones that are making room for you for the first time, or even for the second time, or for some people here that are making more room for you. Father, I pray that you come and you meet them, that your Spirit will intertwine their lives. Lord God, this moment that you will walk with them. Spirit of God, they will be yours. But Lord God, that it won't stop there. 
that the miracle will be that they've received salvation, they've received relationship with you. But God, also too, God, make room that they'll be able to share their faith, share their experience. Lord God, pour out Your Spirit over everyone in this building, over each and every one of us. Lord God, that we have room to share Your love, that we have room to do good to those that are around us, Father, to share the hope of of humanity to all humanity, to share You, the light, the Saviour. We thank You in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand. Well, if you made a decision for the first time or you didn't put your hand up, but you're like, yeah, I, I, I want to make room. I, I want God in my life. I, I need to know more. If you want to know more about walking with Christ, walking with God, uh, go out to our Yes Bar. Dave and Chelsea will be there. Just go and meet them out the back. Just say, hey, listen, yeah, I, I prayed or I want to know more. If, if you've been visiting for a while and you want to get connected into the life of the church, life groups and things like that, go and see them as well at the Yes Bar. Um, There'll be someone wanting to meet you. Why? Because we're a family. We're the church. We care for each other. We look out for each other. That's what we do. And so don't don't be distant. Uh, Come and join in. Wow, it's awesome. Well, don't miss out on tonight. Don't miss out on tonight. I loved how everyone walked in. No one knew where to sit because the seats have changed. It's funny, when we moved seats, Everyone's like, where do I sit? And no one ever wants to sit at the end of this catwalk. But it's going to be awesome. But, you know, tonight, who have you got that you can bring? Who can you engage? Um, because I tell you, we have over 70 to 80 people involved, giving up their time, their talent, uh, to actually put on a show, share the gospel. And so who have you got? Who who can you bring? Um, I love it because we just pack the place out. Um, But also, too, it's just a time where you can enjoy family as well. And so this Christmas, enjoy family. Don't forget, uh, next Sunday, 9 o'clock, Christmas Eve, we'll be here at 9 o'clock. Christmas Day, we'll have 9 o'clock again as well. Um, But how about we go up? We're going to go out praising God. So let's stand up and we'll see you all tonight. Thanks, guys.